This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and it is that time for the Jack Riccardi Show. You sound kind of resigned to it, but uh, I guess we all have to be. You know. <laughs> right. Nothing we can do. It's kind of weird, isn't it, Christian, that San Antonio has two college football sports programs in the postseason, and they're both playing this afternoon. And that's something else, yeah. That's weird. You know, I mean, the postseason goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks, Mm -hmm. but they're both playing, as you mentioned, uh, UTSA and Troy in the Cure Bowl, and then the FCS playoffs with Incarnate Word and, what is it, North Dakota State, State, I think, tonight. Yeah, this after, later this afternoon. So anyway, I'm not going to lie. I've been pretty glued to UTSA. I'm yeah. probably doing a little more sports than news here this afternoon. Do it. So yeah, do it. I'm, I'm I'm jealous. I really wanted to see that game, but I had something else I had to do this afternoon. So excuses, excuses. Yeah, I know, I know. That's just the way my life is. <laughs> um, we always start the show. Thank you, Christian. We always start the show. It's, it's always kind of weird. I, I was want to bring this up. Whenever we start the show, Don Cooper, our producer, the last thing he says to me, because we're talking off the air before the show, and then Don, you always say, say on, say out loud on the air what you always say to me right before the show starts. I always tell you to have a good show. And it always sounds like you're leaving when you say that. You know, like you're on your way out the door. Hey, have a good show. Have a good show. But you're there. You know, you're there. You're, you're going to be, if it's not a good show, you're here for it. But today will be a good show, I think. So they're having a complete meltdown uh, over Twitter today in the media because if you haven't heard, and I'll just run you through it quickly, Elon Musk suspended a bunch of uh, accounts of journalists who I guess, I, I haven't looked into each individual case, but my understanding is uh, these were people who... Um, were revealing real-time information about his location and his family's look like he called it assassination uh, coordinates um and they were they were basically saying you know here's where he is they were doxing him i guess is the term that is now used and so these journalists a number of them for television networks and newspapers and what have you uh, have had their accounts suspended uh, from Twitter. A couple of years ago, you may remember, um, Twitter, under its previous proprietors, suspended an entire newspaper, the New York Post, all of its people, the entire organization, the the, the, the newspaper's account, uh, plus people that tried to share the newspaper's account of the stories about Hunter Biden's laptop. And then Facebook also did what Twitter had done. Now, when the previous owners of Twitter suspended the New York Post, um, what did these journalists who are suspended today and are, and are just, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs, what did they do? When it was being done to someone else, what did they do? Did they, did they hold a protest? Did they demand the suspension be lifted? Did they call it an attack on democracy? No. They cheered for it. 
They said it was great. Because you see, censorship is only censorship when it happens to you. But when it happens to your political opponents, it's content moderation, it's acting responsibly, it's combating misinformation. So Twitter locked out the New York Post right before the 2020 election. I think it was mid-October. For over a week, you could not link the story, you could not retweet the story stories, which, by the way, have turned out to be true. So they didn't defend their own when this was being done. And now we're supposed to rush to their defense because they propagated real-time information about Musk and his family. I don't support um, doxing. I don't like it. I don't support it, no matter who it's done to. I don't like any of this. Get in their face. Never give them a moment of peace. That's crap. Okay, that's whoever puts that out on whichever side they put it out. Uh, that's garbage. Uh, that's That's the worst of us. There is a huge difference between doxing someone and putting them at risk and reporting on a public figure who is involved in an imminent presidential election. And um, if, if, for example, someone had been posting real-time locations and addresses of New York Times reporters or NBC News reporters, uh, we'd never hear the end of it. Having said that, um, I don't like that. I, I don't like what's happening here because even though Musk may have his justifications, th- the problem with the old uh, ownership of Twitter was that they went by their whims and biases, and now the new ownership of Twitter is going by its whims and biases. The problem is not going to be with who owns Twitter. The problem is going to be with the power to do this. As long as there's the power to um, control and deplatform, um, it, it, it will always be uh, subjective, not objective. It will always be in the hands of whoever, you know, is signing the front of the paychecks. So I get the difference. I hate the doxing. But Elon Musk is not a saint, and th- this is a problem that we're going to continue to have, I think. We're going to talk about that, 210-599-5555. Now, hilariously... People in the media have completely forgot about the New York Post. Axios did a whole thing about how this is unprecedented. They, they claimed it was unprecedented for Twitter to do something like this. Uh, even Dan Rather got in the act. Imagine Dan Rather. Imagine the, imagine the balls on Dan Rather. Remember how his career ended? And imagine that you, you, now you're still floating around out there. I think they named the journalism school after him at UT, didn't they? And, and, and you have the gall to speak up about, um, freedom of speech and using journalistic platforms responsibly when you did what you did before the 2004 election. I have a, I have a story about Dan Rather I'll tell you coming up. Um, all right. We talked about this yesterday. President, former President Trump's collection of digital trading cards went out for sale he made this announcement that got everybody fired up he 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 came out let me play this for you this was when he announced that he was going to sell uh 99 uh digital trading cards featuring him in superhero uh poses cut number four hello everyone this is donald trump 
hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. Hold on, hold on, I'm hold, doing on. My- hold on. That was the part that they went nuts over that part. I think he's joking. I, you know, I mean, it's, it, that's, that's who he is. That's his kind of humor. Um, if he really thinks he's better than Lincoln and Washington, he's nuts. But I, I think he's just being a, he, he's just, this is just how he is. He's a, he's a New York guy. They're big talkers. I'm the greatest president. I'm better than Lincoln, better than Washington. Uh, so he's announcing these, uh, these cards and, um, sounds pretty, pretty amped up about it. Continue. With an important announcement to make, I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts. Each card. So they all sold out. Every single one of them sold out. I, I was laughing at it. I, to me, it seemed like a crazy idea. It sounds like a guy that doesn't want to be president, but, um, they all sold out and, um, there were 45,000 of them. So that was a pretty nice little, uh, moneymaker right there. Um, do you think because they sold out, this was a good idea? Or do you think people bought them because it's so outlandish that these are going to be collector's items or objects of curiosity and, mockery or i mean what, what do you what do you make of that you know um did, did people buy them to like show support for him did people buy them because they think hey someday these could be worth a lot more 210 599 that sound don can you go back to the beginning of the clip that laser sound you hear there were like lights uh laser lights like shining out of his eyes you have that part hello everyone <laughs> Oh man, this guy is hilarious. I I don't I don't I don't think he's going to be president again, but he is funny. Um I want to see what you make of this. This this is a story from Connecticut about a police officer who is in pretty big trouble. Now, there's been a lot of stories in the news over the recent years about police officers getting into trouble, right? But this is not one of those. This is different. Uh this this uh patrolman's name was Josh Zarbo. Take a listen to this. This is the story on WFSB TV in Connecticut. Listen to this. On to a bizarre story out of Old Saybrook where a police officer is accused of using a law enforcement computer system to try to meet a woman. Yeah, bizarre Uh-oh. is the right word. Let's get right out to Channel 3 Eyewitness News reporter Marcy Jones, who is live right now in Old Saybrook to break this all down. So, Marcy, if these allegations are true, they're pretty creepy, right? Absolutely. Good morning. Well, as you know, it's common for young singles to use their phones and use dating apps to find out more information about someone they're interested in. However, this police officer is accused of using his law enforcement database to get a woman's information for his own personal use. Now, according to the arrest warrant, 30-year-old Josh Zarbo was patrolling a Walmart parking lot on Black Friday when he spotted a female shopper. Zarbo then requested her license plate to be run through a police database to obtain her name and ultimately oh, wow. use the information to find her on social media. The woman, who has acquaintances in both Old Saybrook mm. Fire and Police Departments, was contacted by a friend asking if everything was okay because her 
name was heard mm. over the scanner. That's when Whoops. she opened up Instagram and noticed a new follow request from Officer Josh Zarbo. The warrant shows that Zarbo even texted with a dispatcher saying, quote, bro, I'm gaming right now. Back out here live, Zarbo faces a felony charge. He's out on bond and has also been placed on leave. Reporting live in Old Saybrook, Marcy Jones, Channel 3 Eyewitness News. All right, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, people do meet. This is how people meet now. They meet at work. They meet through work. That's what they say. That's what all the experts say. We all spend so much time at work. If you're single, you're probably going to meet your mate through work. But he he sees a, a woman in the Walmart parking lot. And I guess he figures he can't go up to her directly. Maybe he doesn't have the guts to do it or maybe because he's on on duty or in uniform or that would seem like an abuse of power. But instead he, instead he runs her plate. And they're talking about her on the scanner. And he might have got away with that. But as you heard the reporter say, she happened to have some people that knew her in law enforcement and they heard her on the scanner. They heard her name on the scanner. Um. What do you think of what this guy did? He's on administrative leave. It sounds like he probably is all all done. I don't think there's any coming back from this. But um, I, I have the feeling, the reason I'm asking about this, is I have the feeling if people are honest about this, I think men and women are going to have different takes or takeaways on what happened here. I, I, this is just a hunch, but I I want to know what you think. And be honest and don't hold back. Don't tell me what you think you should say. Tell me what you really think about what he did. So he used the law enforcement uh, database to run her plate, find out who she was, and then friend her in an effort to meet her. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, running down Santa Claus Lane. Blitz and blitz and all there's a reindeer pulling on a rain. Bells are ringing children. All right, there is Evelis. Uh, we have the dish coming up after six. We're talking about uh, Elon Musk has given uh, some journalists a taste of uh, what the previous ownership of Twitter uh, did to the New York Post, and they are not liking it. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Trump's digital trading cards all sold out. It took uh, just a few hours. Uh, what do you think about that? And then this uh, police officer in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, saw an, an an enticing woman in the Walmart parking lot on Black Friday while he was on patrol, and used her vehicle, uh, her license plate and registration, and ran it to find out who she was, and then I guess did a friend request on I think it was Instagram. In the meantime, friends of hers had heard her name on the scanner and said, hey, are you in some kind of trouble? That didn't work out well for him. And then when she opened the Instagram page and saw the friend request from a police officer in the town, she pieced together what happened. He's now on administrative leave and in a lot of trouble, and I want to know what you think about that. 210-599-5555, because I do think there may be a, a gender divide on that issue. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you shouldn't do it. Obviously I'll say for the record, you know, you're not supposed to use official databases to look stuff up like that and meet people. But, but 
I think there's a little more to be said about it, if we're going to be honest. So, 210-599-5555. Brian calling in about uh, what Elon Musk is doing over at Twitter. Hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing? So he gave them a little yeah. taste of uh, what they thought was so great before, and now they don't like it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would suggest that he's probably overly sensitive to the whole tracking his whereabouts with that the that guy that's been tracking his aircraft for a his while. His plane, yeah. 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 But but back to the Twitter policy itself, that's actually a policy that's been in place at Twitter before he even bought the company. Terms of service, right. Right. So he's just in, enforcing the terms of service that were there. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that, you know, mm-hmm. as they're making it out to be that he arbitrarily uh decided to pick and choose who, who he's going to ban and not. But but I think you'll also agree, Brian, that the terms of service are the most obscure, arcane thing. I mean, it's like trying to understand, you know, uh, ancient Sanskrit. And, and, and it winds up being mostly up to whoever's calling the shots as to who gets punished and who gets away with it. Because there were countless examples of you know, people doing pretty much the same thing, but the ones on the right would get suspended and the ones on the left would be left alone. I mean, I just, I, I think there's no getting around the fact that that's, that there's a lot of arbitrary power in a platform like that. Oh, absolutely. And I don't even think it had anything to do with terms of service. I just think it, it was more about the leanings of the comments that were made. <laughs> what yeah, I mean, the, 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 the nature of this thing is that whoever controls it is going to have control over the discourse that happens on it. And anybody who thought, oh, he'll, he'll put an end to that, it, that's like, you know, that, that's not recognizing that he's a human being. He, he will, of course, play favorites like everybody else does. Right. But on, on the terms of service piece, you know, this in particular, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, it's, uh, it mm-hmm. starts out, you not publish or post any 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 private information about anybody without their express written permission. That's the first line of it. And then it goes and it's, into, into it shouldn't even you shouldn't even need a you shouldn't even need a rule for crying out loud. That's just a that's just a grotesque, you know, a hole thing to do. I mean that that takes Absolutely. that takes your difference with somebody or your disagreement with them to a whole nother level. You want what, you want something to happen to their kid because you disagree with their politics? Exactly. What's so mind blowing about all of this going on in the country, this discourse is people who are supposedly and you see this even on LinkedIn, people who are supposedly adult professionals are so emotionally immature. It, it, it's it's mind numbing. You know, it, I, I just I just don't know how people, you know, principal or executive or director. And then the comments they post are just uh, well. Just, I mean, I agree with you, but we are we are living in a uh, participation trophy society. Shouldn't we expect a lot of emotional <laughs> immaturity? I mean, what would what would make you emotionally mature? It would be like falling down and picking yourself up again. But we don't let that happen. <laughs> and no, it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, Brian. Good call. Good to talk to you. Thank you. I think you got some great points. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Yeah, I mean it. You know, I'm glad he bought it. He seems glad he bought it. We're learning a lot. They're doing another reveal right now, in fact. Um, but the solution is not, oh, we need a guy on our side. And by the way, he's not on our side. But 
The solution is not we need we need a guy on our side to control this thing and then it'll be fine. All that will mean is it will be partisan in other ways. And the terms of service, which are minute and obscure and dense and not, uh, I don't think anybody knows all of them. It, it it just it's a thicket in which you can hide or conceal what you were going to do anyway as far as far as your your biases and your prejudices so i i would just be on guard that whoever controls the platform controls the platform you can't go running around this is not a situation where you can run around with the rule book and go but but don't you know you know maybe you can watch Maybe you can watch a sporting event, and if you know all the rules, you know what they have to call, and they can't fudge it, But and you can do instant replay, but in the, the media world, whether it's old media or new media, um, you're never going to know all the rules. You're never going to know all the internal decision-making, and there's a bunch of it now with different people. That's all. You know, t- Twitter has people inside making these judgment calls, and they're just different people. But it's not like they're, they're saying, oh, we're not gonna, we're gonna let's let everything fly and everything go. Now, the, the, the part that aggravates me about these reporters today that are singing an opera of outrage is where were they when their own freaking colleagues were being, were being deplatformed? See, if this is a principle, it has to be a principle all the time. I'm so old, I remember when journalists stood up for other journalists. You know, you, even if it was your competitor, you'd say, you know, I'm going to the mat for him because it's the same profession. It's the same, you know, bill of rights. And, and they all stood around and either did nothing or some of them were like, Oh yes, our overlords are exercising great judgment and blocking the New York Post. We're so happy about that. What a great day for democracy. The Republicans are saying that in the new Congress, they're going to call onto the carpet big tech companies demand documents, and um, investigate um, what they're calling collusion between big tech and the Biden administration. We wanted to know what um, kind of case and under what law um, you would make these kinds of accusations, and will anything really happen to anybody, Uh, or is this going to be kind of like a lot of, you know, a lot of... uh, a do about nothing, like most congressional hearings turn out to be. Our constitutional law professor, Bill Pyatt, from St. Mary's University School of Law is on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners newsmaker line. So, Professor, is uh, anyone in these tech companies possibly in any real trouble? Yes. And it's not just because of the congressional investigation. There's also two cases that have been consolidated that the Supreme Court is going to hear, one Gonzalez versus Google and the other Twitter versus Tame. And both of these involve the survivors of people who were killed, one in Paris in 2015 and the other in 2017, after Google and Twitter passed along information that supposedly radicalized ISIS terrorists and ended up with people being killed. Mm-hmm. And underlying all of this, the reason that Congress is going to get involved is that there is, of course, the 1996 law, the Communications Decency Act, and it's got a particular section. The Internet was new, and Congress and everyone wanted to encourage the development of the Internet. 
And there was some recognition that this is a little different than a newspaper. If a newspaper publishes something that's false and damaging, they can be held liable, civilly liable. And what Congress decided is in Section 230, well, the Internet is different. We're not going to allow Internet providers to be treated as publishers or speakers. We're going to treat them more like a bulletin board. It's like there's a bulletin board on a tree in the park, and you can put up whatever you want. You can't hold the person who puts up the bulletin board theoretically liable if they are an Internet provider under this Communications Decency Act. And it even took another step and said, and if these Internet providers censor material, if they mm -hmm. act in good faith and they restrict access, then you can't hold them liable either for, mm -hmm. for that as well. It's being challenged. And here's the big problem or the big interest. We have a First Amendment, as you know and you've talked about. People have a right to express themselves. Internet providers have a First Amendment right to publish, to speak. The problem is newspapers would be held civilly liable if they published commentary that damaged someone's reputation or incited somebody to violence. The Internet companies have some limitation as a result of this statute, and it could lead to a situation where the companies are interacting with the federal government in order to restrict access to material that could be obscene, lewd, harassing, these are all words out of the statute. So we have the First Amendment in conflict potentially with the Communications Decency Act of 1996 in conflict with the rights of people to be free yeah. from government intrusion and damage like encouraging people to, to dox you and find your location and have people come and threaten your kids or stomp up and down on your property. What? What what seems to have happened um, in recent years is that people in government painted the target and then people in the tech companies took out the target. So the censorship exactly. was government directed but not government um uh you know, government committed, I guess. Is that is that is that about right? Right. And the internet providers or whoever publishes, you know, whoever takes on the target and attacks them. They say, well, we're private, so the First Amendment doesn't apply to us because it only applies to government action. And the government says, well, we didn't really do anything. We just made this information known. But in other areas of civil rights law where private individuals conspire with a government agent, they mm -hmm. can all be held liable for a conspiracy. Um, Texas has tried to address this. As you know, Texas has a statute, a law that bans uh, censorship and deplatforming by Internet companies. You can't deplatform a political candidate in Texas. You can't uh, censor people based on political viewpoints in Texas. But that law has, and that law has been upheld by the Fifth Circuit. Mm -hmm. But there's an Eighth Circuit decision regarding a Florida statute very similar that said it's unconstitutional. It's a violation of the First Amendment. So that eventually is going to get to the Supreme Court as well. Now, I understand what you're saying about what can happen, but aren't we talking about something that would have to actually be prosecuted by the Biden Justice Department? And so are we really talking about this only being a legal jeopardy issue if if the next administration, if there is a next administration, and if it's of the other party, actually goes after these people? It, that could happen. That could be one way. But the other thing is if the Supreme Court rules that Section 230 doesn't provide protection the way right now the Internet companies are claiming. And Justice Thomas has already expressed his reservations about that. Private litigants through the judicial system, 
uh, through actions of the Supreme Court, could strike down this immunity and start holding people civilly liable, oh, okay. which would probably be effective as if the Biden administration or the next administration goes after them criminally. So you could have more, uh, perhaps a, a clearer path to a civil cause of action uh, than a criminal case, at least given the current political realities. Exactly. And then the other thing you could have is you could have Congress, unlikely it's going to happen given that there'll be a Democratic majority in the Senate. Theoretically, Congress could repeal that protection in Section 230, although a lot of Democrats have been upset with the operation of Section 230 as well for different reasons, for different political reasons. Republicans mm. think that conservatives are being unfairly targeted. Democrats think that there is a bias uh, that is prohibiting uh, people from being able to protect themselves or protect from obscene, harassing, vile, threatening, threats to democracy, etc. So there could be a strange coalition yeah. that would come together that would repeal Section 230. Very interesting. We'll continue to follow it. Professor, have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on with us today. You too, Jack. Thank you. All right. Bill Pyatt at St. Mary's University School of Law, KTSA, Connecticut, Quality Water Softeners, Newsmaker Line. It's interesting. Um, I, 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 to me, I still think that we are just um, in a kind of wild west where you just have to accept that uh, if you know who owns X uh, and you know their stripes, their political affiliations or leanings, th- th- then they're going to they're going to play games and and the expectation that there that any of these things that you and I voluntarily participate in and have an account or a page that any of these things are level playing fields, you just can't. That's naive. That just isn't going to be true, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, so here's what intrigues me about this police officer in Connecticut. Um, I, I think a lot of people hear this story, and we all know that he should not have used official, you know, government databases or facilities to find out who this woman was. But I also know that a lot of you listening right now at one time or another, when you were single, um, used or maneuvered on your job or at work into a position of getting to meet somebody or finding out somebody's name or getting their phone number. You can't tell me that waiters and concierges and hotel clerks and what have you don't, don't get that information because I know they do. I know they do. Um, so I think this guy's problem is that he was a government employee. But I also, I gotta say this, and tell me what you think. He, this officer, uh, Josh Zarbo was trying to meet this woman and she found it creepy. She didn't like it. If it was the other way around, if a guy was walking through that parking lot, a good looking guy, and a female police officer, Said, "Wow, I'd like to. I'd like to meet him. I'd like to take him out to dinner or, or get to know him. I think the guy would be flattered as hell. I mean, men would be flattered. Men aren't going to look at this and go, well, that's an abusive of government power. That's an abuse of the government database. How? How could you? We'd be telling everybody we knew that that happened. We'd be bragging to our friends within seconds. You'd call your best friend. You'd be like, you're not going to believe what just happened." Listen to this. So I do think there's a divide in the in the sexes on this. Again, you're not supposed to do it. I get that. We don't have to debate that. 
But I think had it been the other way around, um, if Josh Zarbo was the woman, I don't think he'd be in any trouble or she'd be in any trouble. Restaurants on the Dish coming up after 6. And don't forget, next Wednesday night in our 6 o'clock hour, our annual countdown to the worst Christmas song of all time. In Old Saybrook, Connecticut, um, police officer Josh Zarbo has been accused of illegally using an online law enforcement system called Collect to get information about a woman he spotted while on patrol. On Black Friday, he was patrolling the local Walmart. Saw this woman in the parking lot. In fact, she noticed this officer staring at her and drove away and nothing happened. Uh, he used her registration and plate to find out her personal information, then used that information to follow her on Instagram. She found his friend request on Instagram. In the meantime, friends of hers in law enforcement said, hey, your name was on the scanner. They were talking on the open you know, frequency about you. Are you in some kind of trouble? And she put it all together, complained to the police department. Uh, he is now on administrative leave facing charges. Um, I'm going to tell you, if it was the other way around, if a guy, if, 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 if a woman in a official capacity inappropriately used a government database to find him, Nine out of ten guys would be so flattered, they would forget that that was not, like, okay. They would just think that was the coolest, sexiest, <laughs> bragging about it. So there is, a, there is a difference, I think, in the, in the, in the way men and women uh, look at this. Um, and I also think, and again, I'm not defending what he did, but I do think, before everybody gets up on their high horse, that there have been many, many times that people have maybe not gone quite as far as he did, but used their job or their access to somebody through work, like somebody who is your customer and you get interested in them, uh, to meet them. And a lot of this is going to come down to whether um, the person you approach is flattered and interested and thinks you're appealing or you're creepy and they don't like you and they're weirded out by the fact that you're you know asking them out right i mean if if you if you like the attention from someone then you're less apt to do a lot of deep thinking about how you got their attention right uh brian is on 550 and 107.1 ktsa hi brian hey jack how you doing love your show by the way well thank you i just wanted to what do you think about what this guy did uh Oh, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like uh, he broke the law. But I was going to tell you about my sister, who's a loan officer at a bank, and she would tell me stories about when good-looking men would come into the bank to do business. As soon as they would walk out the door, uh, the women who were friends would all get together at the teller that, that was working with him, and they'd open up his account. They'd see if he was married. They'd see how much money he had in his mm-hmm. account. And if he, mm-hmm. he had a good amount of money and he was single, then they would, you know, be nice and flirtatious with him and mm. try to get dates that way. But that's oh. kind of unethical. I knew there was too, a reason yeah. I was get. I knew there was a reason I was getting such good service at my bank. 
Oh, now I know. Exactly. Okay. Listen, exactly. though, um, do you think that's wrong when they do that? Do you think that's wrong? In the bank, uh, I, I think that that's, you know, I, it might be unethical, but uh, it's different when it's a law enforcement uh, mm-hmm. tool that you're using for your own pleasure, you know, trying to hook up a date or whatever. Do you think this guy could have just, um, could he just have approached her and, and said, excuse me, ma'am, I don't mean to bother you, but I couldn't help but notice. I mean, could he have just done it the old-fashioned way? He should have. Maybe she would have been impressed with his uh, power, him being a police officer or, you know, some women. I, I mean, he's not a bad looking. He's not a bad looking guy. I mean, he, I think he could have t- just taken his chances. You know, uh, you know, being honest and being, and and then you know, if there's no interest, you need to drop it, especially because you are in uniform, like you said, Brian. Good call. Thank you. Um, Paul is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Paul, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, love your show. I just think that the biggest problem we have with society is people in general don't like to deal with letdown, right? They don't know how to deal with it. Parents aren't training them how to be uh, social. And so they go around it about, about it a different way. Mm-hmm. And that came off mm-hmm. really creepy. What if that woman was my wife? As a mm-hmm. husband, if I found out this officer had done that, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted, would want to you know, try mm-hmm. to find a way to get him fired because I don't think that's right. Now, if he had yeah. approached my wife and said, hey, listen, I think you're a beautiful woman. You're a good-looking girl. I'd like to take you out. And she told him, Hey, I I like the idea, but I'm married. You know, uh, that would be okay. You you as a guy, yeah. I mean, as a okay, guy, fine. you're you like, okay, I get that. That could happen to me, but but you, I see what you're saying. It, this sort of backdoor sneaky stuff uh, is is is, and that is the way people do it now, isn't it? I mean, we're so addicted to apps and social media. People have forgotten that they can just go talk to somebody. Right. They they don't have the well they don't have the skills. I mean, how do you think they're, your parents met? They didn't they didn't have Instagram, right? <laughs> exactly. They met some I mean, None of us would uh, none of us would be here if people didn't use to talk to one another and just like, "Hey, can I have your phone number?" right? I had to do it the old way. I had to get up, get out and go to Midnight Rodeo, put go. cowboy boots on and meet women the old way, man, back in my day. <laughs> So, Back in the day, it, you guys got to find a way to do it. Too. There's Sorry, Paul but. telling the youngins how it used to be done. He strapped on his boots and went to Midnight Rodeo. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Paul. Um, we're going to get some more of these calls. I, I, I would like to hear a woman's point of view on this, and I'm sure we will. Yeah, I don't think they should play bowl games while we're working. They that really should. Right. Because I'll tell you, you know? what, I'm just watching here, and this is a great point you say that. Just as UTSA, as you said that, we're making the biggest play of the whole day. They're down at the three-yard line, looks like. They're about to get the lead back. This is why you don't do that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah, because I, I, I can't I, – I have a TV tuned to one of the news channels because if I had it on the game, I'd be even more scattered than I am now. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I just I, – I resent the fact that they – how dare they play football. Well, when I, I can't watch it. You I know, that's very inconsiderate. Yeah, I understand Incarnate Word playing tonight, but when I heard UTSA was going to be kicking off at 2 p.m. on a Friday, yeah. I mean, who does that? Well, and you want to be, I mean, let's be honest, in the pecking order of things, the more prestigious bowls are a little later in the Sure. You know, a little later in the month. <laughs> if, you're, if you're playing a bowl game on December on December 16th, uh, that's not that's that's a little marginal, and it seems like they're seems like they would have qualified for a better 
uh, birth than the Cure Bowl. Well, whatever. yeah, ranked 25. And I mean, it's a good game here. I mean, both teams yeah, 11 yeah. and 2. And um, yeah. I just, you would think they could have done this last night or something where people can watch. Yeah. Well, look into that for know. us, if you would, please. I'll get uh, right on it. Please register our register our disapproval. <laughs> right. I'm sure that'll help. All right. Um, later this uh, half hour, we love having him on the show, Todd Benzman, uh, who used to write for the Express News. He's an award-winning journalist. Uh, he's now the uh, Senior National Security Fellow uh, for the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to talk about the uh, judge ruling on Remain in Mexico. We're going to talk about Title 42 on our show known as Level 42. Um and uh, we've been talking about this police officer in Connecticut who um, was on patrol on Black Friday in a Walmart, Old Saybrook, Connecticut. And um, he saw an attractive woman. His name is Josh Zarbo. He's 30. Apparently he, you know, is on the, what, what we used to say on the make. He's, you know, he's, he's looking, he's on the market, he's available. Sees this woman, he's intrigued. He uses her plates and registration to find out who she is and friends her on Instagram. She connects the Instagram friend request, which comes out of the blue, with this officer she had noticed staring at him and with friends who told her, hey, they were talking about you on the police scanner um, because he was... You know, getting this information over the radio. I guess if he had gone like and looked it up without using the radio, I guess he he might have gotten away with it, or maybe she would have thought it was just coincidence. Um, like we were talking about with the previous caller before the news, he also could have just approached her in a respectful, gentlemanly way. But um, yeah, this is clearly not a good. I'm not recommending this. I, this is not a good thing to do. Um, but I think people, if 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 we're going to be honest, people do. There's some gray areas, right? Where if you're if you're young and you're single, and you see a, a really attractive member of the opposite sex, um, you might take a gander at the name on the credit card, or you might take a look at the you know who who, who, who does he work for? You know where does he work? Or you know is it something like that? Or um, I, I've heard all kinds of things with like waiters and concierges and all the tricks of the trade. I'll tell you a story about what I did one time when I was first here in San Antonio and I was still very young. I was hosting a, um, it was an event at a bowling alley, like a listener event, and we were doing a scavenger hunt to give away prizes. This is how far back it was, KTSA had prizes. Um, actually, I might have been on the other station. I think I was on the other station when I did. Yeah, I was. I wasn't even on KTSA. I was on the other station. So we were giving away prizes. We were doing a scavenger hunt. There was a lot of young people. I was young. And I was working off a list of suggested items because I wasn't creative enough to come up with them myself. And one of the items that the list said to ask for was, who's the first person that can produce something they have on them with their phone number printed on it, which is goofy because everybody has something like that. And right away, this really beautiful woman, I mean, I had noticed her right away, and she comes running up to me. She's the first one. And she gives me her a deposit slip from her checkbook. And, you know, that has your name and address on it. And this also had a phone number. And I'm like, hey, congratulations. I forget her name now. So, so, you know, she's our winner. And I said to her, do you want this back? Meaning the 
the uh, deposit slip. And she said, no, why don't you keep it? And that was okay with me. And I did call her, and we did go out. Now, that was not what I was supposed That was not in the job description, but, I mean, it, it fell into my, uh, I won't say it fell into my lap, but you know what I mean. I mean, it It was, a, I, I had my chance. I took my chance, you know. Pitcher put one out over the plate. I took a swing. I, I think people do that. I mean, I think that th- that's okay, and I think things like that are okay. It gets into a gray area if you start kind of stalking somebody or if they're if they're giving you the definite wave off, like, hey, not interested, not my type, not into you, with somebody else, not looking, I'm not looking right now, and you persist, that's not that's of course not all right. This this officer is in trouble, I think, for two things. The one we all know is because he used a government database, but the other is because she didn't welcome the interest. Okay, people will let you get away with a lot if they're flattered by your attention. And that's why I say, I think if it had been a, a, a woman, um, you know, pursuing a, or, or trying to meet a man, say the woman was the police officer and the guy was the shopper at Walmart, I think most men would be, would be so flattered, it would never occur to them that, oh, I need to report this. You know, they'd report it all right. They'd report it to every friend of theirs and their brothers and their, you know, the word would get around, but you'd be proud of it. You wouldn't be wanting to get it on the news. Um, and I just think that's a difference. I mean, I, I think there's two things. I think there's the gender difference, which I totally get. I mean, I'm sure that for women, giving your credit card to somebody, having to show somebody your driver's license, having to give somebody your phone number, like when you're, when you're somewhere and you have to recite your phone number, I think that's probably uncomfortable for a lot of women. And I understand that guys, it's probably a little different. And, and, and then of course, like I said, obviously you can't be, can't be using the government taxpayer supported uh, database and what a what a what a nimrod for putting it on the on the radio i mean that really made no sense but um that's what happened Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show, uh, asking you on the JR poll today about the World Cup finals, and we're going to talk about that in our next half hour. Um, and we've got the dish coming up after six as we talk restaurants here on a Friday night. Um, our next guest joining the show, uh, always a pleasure to have him, an award-winning journalist and author and the senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, Todd Benzman, is on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Uh, Todd Benzman, good afternoon. Thank you for making time for us. Sure. Thank you for having me. So we've got the um, the judge's order on remain in Mexico. We've got the imminent lifting of Title 42. There are stories today that there are lines already forming at entry points in anticipation of, of the end of Title 42. How how big is that? Is it is it hyperbole when we hear people talk about overrun, overwhelmed, we're going to see numbers like we've never seen before, or, or do you think that is for real? Well, I think we have to take our cue, the public should take its cue from the Biden administration's intelligence community, 
which earlier this year predicted that when Title 42 goes away and makes the U.S. asylum system and process available to 100% of everybody, that the country should see anywhere from 12,000 to 18,000 a day cross uh, from the current, you know, 7,000 to uh, 9,000 a day that we've been seeing for the last couple of years, uh, which is, by the way, you know, eight, nine, and 10 times as many as we've ever had before. So that you could see what kind of uncharted territory Mm -hmm. we're we're in. And then also the uh, Department of Homeland Security takes those assessments seriously and they just put out a uh, strategic plan for dealing with this that is, you know, beyond any measure that we've ever seen before of surging just hundreds and thousands actually of contractors and federal agents and employees to the border right now. Uh, Airplanes and aircraft, uh, aircraft, uh, you know, buses and, uh, building uh, soft-sided uh, shelters and, you know, preparing in a way that for a, you know, mass flood of people that we have never seen before. So I think we should just take our cue from the way that mm. what the government's doing. I mean, it's going to be big. They think it's going to be big. Uh, who, who are we not to believe them? And plus you can mm-hmm. see it out there. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. There's lots of media and coverage of just, you know, 5,000 a day coming through just El Paso already. What was Title, or what is Title 42, and and why does it make a difference? Title 42 is not an immigration law. It's a public health law uh, put in place in 1944 uh, during World War II when, you know, people had cholera and there were diseases, you know, from, from the war, people were moving around. And it was designed to shut the border down during pandemics. And it had never been used before until March 2020 when we actually had a pandemic. And it required the Border Patrol to return every migrant that crossed illegally back to Mexico without uh, giving them an opportunity to apply for that that asylum process that I mentioned that is sort of the key to all of this. So under Trump, they were pushing back, I want to say 90% of everybody that crossed and, and, and it kind of shut the border down. The Biden administration, when it came into office, inherited Title 42 and kept it in place. However, uh, opened up these massive exemptions in it for families and unaccompanied minors and pregnant women. And that alone is responsible for creating the historic numbers that we're, we've been seeing for the mm-hmm. last two years since that, since that day. Um, the, the, there's a little bit of title 42 left. Uh, it's still returning uh, 40 to 50% of everybody that crosses the border. So it's somewhat of an impediment still. Uh, but when it goes away, that means, you know, pretty much 100% of everybody who crosses the border gets access to the asylum system. And that's important because uh, the asylum process lets whoever claims it into the country mm-hmm. indefinitely and immediately. Would I be correct in saying, though, Todd Benzman, that the 
the surging of personnel that you referred to isn't to stop people from entering. It's to handle people entering. Well, the administration says that it's strategic policy for this is safe, orderly, humane, and legal pathways into the country for all of those people coming to the border. Uh, they don't really talk much about blocking and deterring and making people think that they're not going to get in so that they'll stay home. So, yeah, uh, everybody in the, uh, in, the, in the world that is aspiring to cross the U.S. border has been thinking about it. Uh, who didn't want to get kicked back into Mexico over and over again, uh, were probably on their way. And like, who wouldn't? It's it's a, a normal sort of mm -hmm. uh, calculus that anybody would make. You see the border is open, and everybody you know and all your friends and relatives and neighbors have all just gotten in and were let into mm -hmm. the country on buses and very quickly uh, let in, uh, is going to come. This is the way it works. It's a basic physics yeah. of, of migration. So, yeah. It's interesting that, you know, if you go back 30 years ago, and you remember, um, there was not much daylight between the political parties. There wasn't really like a right-wing, left-wing thing about, when we talked about controlling the border or immigration, it was about, um, you know, preventing the illegal entry and, and monitoring and moderating the legal uh, immigration. And I think part of our problem now is that really when politicians talk about it, they're, they're all using the same words, but those words don't have the same meaning. If one side is saying what you just said, orderly transfer of people into the country, and the other side is saying we need to stop, we need to, to close down, but the language is the same. The, the terminology is the same. That's right. The definitions are different. The This administration defines border security as no big giant Del Rio migrant camps under the bridge, you know, 15,000 Haitians that happened last year. Uh, it's, it's just people moving on. And when you, yeah. when you read their, their plan, the central component of it is to uh, mitigate, I'm using their language, mitigate overcrowding. That's their, that's the whole point. Not to hmm. block it or stop it, mm -hmm. but to just make sure nobody builds up into a yeah. big, embarrassing, media-attracting uh, kind of migrant camp situation. It's too late. It's already happening in El Paso. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands of people just sleeping on the streets in El Paso tonight in the cold because they just let everybody in. So, yeah, and also, to your other point, the Democratic Party of today is unlike any Democratic Party that's ever existed. You know, Barack Obama was called the deporter-in-chief. Uh, Bill Clinton was uh, harder on illegal immigration and, and border security than Donald Trump ever was. Those guys would never have brooked uh, policies that were like safe, orderly, humane, legal pathways mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. at the border. That just is something that has never existed in, in either party. It's a fringe sort of strange ideology that absolutely abhors detention and removal and deportation and enforcement of any kind as cruel. And they won't do it.
Todd Benzman with us on KTSA, author of books like Overrun and uh, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. Appreciate your time, Todd. Thank you for coming on tonight. We'll talk to you again. Anytime. Appreciate being here. Uh, if uh, you heard uh, us talking with uh, Christian earlier, the Cure Bowl is now a final. Uh, the UTSA Roadrunners did lose uh, the Cure Bowl to Troy. Uh, 18-12 to 12 was the final, but there's another chance for San Antonio to get in the W column as Incarnate Word plays its FCS playoff game uh, in about, uh, I think they start in about half an hour to an hour. In the meantime, the big event this weekend will be the World Cup Final. France trying to be the first country to win back-to-back finals since 1962 versus Argentina. And when I thought about this matchup, I thought of our next guest, because whenever we would have him on Gang of Four, whatever else was happening, whatever else was going on, whatever else we were talking about, Carlos Abelar always, he was always talking about what they call football, what we call soccer, and he's joining me right now. Carlos, it's good to talk to you again. I've enjoyed watching your your kids grow up and your family grow up uh, on Facebook and stuff. I haven't seen you in forever, but thank you for coming on. You're still a huge soccer fan, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's in my DNA. That never stops. It's it's, it's, so, it's in my blood forever. So this is going to be like a Super Bowl level event for you and at your house this weekend, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Barbacoa, uh, tomales, uh, pozole, and then some people. A lot of the guests are bringing like Argentinian plates and uh, French plates or something like. That. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, you know, you know, you know how I get down, Jack. I I do know how you get. Um, so set this up for us. Uh, how big is this? How is this a great matchup? Are you glad it came down to these two teams? And and who do you like? Yeah. So the the big narrative coming out uh, uh, or leading into this game is basically is Messi the one of the best players uh, in our era, maybe even a uh, best player of all time, uh, going to finally get the crown jewel, which is the World Cup. Um, you know, when everybody usually talks of the best players of all time, the conversation is always Pele, Maradona. Well, if he if Messi's able to get this World Cup, then he will it will be normal to say Pele, Maradona, and Messi as the greatest of all times. You know, the ones that are on the Mount Rushmore of uh, football. Mm-hmm. But uh, but <clears throat> on the other hand, uh, if France and Mbappe uh, end up winning, then it's basically we're seeing the new generation of yeah. the, another potential great. That is coming up, you know, when Mbappe is only 23 years old, he won his first World Cup uh, with France uh, the, in 2018 as a 19-year-old. So uh, the potential that he has of all this, of all of everything that he's been doing so far at his age, really can uh, can be something that's amazing uh, uh, moving forward. Now they these two uh, are playing for first and second place, but there's also a match to see who is third, right? Yeah, that's tomorrow. Uh, that is between so that's uh, Morocco and uh, oh, who did, who was the other one? Uh, guys, my, it, it left my brain here because uh, Morocco is was that my Croatia. Under, my, Croatia, yeah, that's right, Croatia. Yeah, so Croatia uh, almost won the title last year. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, the last World Cup. Yeah, so the, uh, it's a good matchup. We're watching people that uh, um, that are basically Croatian team is a, is an older team. And the Moroccan team, man, that, those guys came out of nowhere. I mean, uh, that was uh, interesting to see. That was like the first African uh, 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 a team to make it that far in a World Cup. Um, so I like the idea of that. Plus, 
you know, Jack, uh, I know you like history. Man, I didn't know how much Morocco and these Moors uh, got into a lot of uh, fights back in the day in the, in the time. And so, you know, I always bring in football and politics. I think it, mm-hmm. it actually uh, is always intermingled, you know. So all this stuff always fascinates me. I always, I always learn a lot during, during these World Cups. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, you, you look at this mix of countries. When would we ever be talking about these four countries all together? In any other context, right? I mean, it's 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 incredible and it's random, except in the in the universe uh, of soccer. So, if you had to guess or pick or whatever uh, Sunday morning between France and Argentina, who do you like? So, my heart says Argentina two one. My football mind says France two one. So, what I'm going with is a two two draw. And Argentina will win it in penalties. Okay, it, it it has to end. I mean, it can't end in a tie, right? No, no, no. They go to shootout, shootout. Yeah. I know, I I know. Uh, so that's so that's always uh, uh those are always unique, Jack, because uh, you, the the player walks from midfield all the way, thinking about his whole life, you know. Yeah. As he's walking down there to the goal, <laughs> and he has to then either I, I, goalie. All the pressure of their countries on them. Yep. I mean, those walks uh, have to be intense. That's the longest you know, uh, walk in sports. That really is the longest. That is like the. That's like a man walking to his firing squad. I mean, it's the longest walk in sports. You know, they don't call it a shootout for nothing. You know, you know. There you so, go. Yeah, for sure. There you go. All right, you've got us hyped up, Carlos, and that's what I knew you would do. Um, have a great time watching this uh, Sunday morning, and uh, it's good to talk to you. I hope we talk again soon. All right, later, Jack. Peace. All right, my best to your family, too. Uh, 542 on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show, 210 599 on the JR poll. If you're rooting for France or Argentina, you can tell us that. You can also vote on the JR poll at KTSA.com. I want to play this for you. Um, this is a, uh, a man testifying. He's the chairman and CEO of a company called Brigham Minerals. His name is Bud Brigham. And he's, he's testifying before a, a Texas Senate committee about ESG. And we've talked about this. ESG is this new thing in the business world, environmental, social, and governance investing. It's the idea that you score companies based on their wokeness and their, their woke commitment to social justice and diversity and environmental uh, justice and what have you. So anyway, he was um, telling a story of raising money for his company, which is an energy company, and he was on a call with Credit Suisse, the international bank that he's been a customer of for many years. Listen to this story, cut number one. Did not hear anything from Credit Suisse for several days. And uh, so finally, I called them, and he called me back, and he said, Bud, we may not be the right bank for you. And I said, really, why? And he said, and he kind of hesitated, he said, climate change is real, and it's not debatable. And I said, really? I said, well, I'm a geophysicist. I know climate change is real. Climate's always changed. It always will. Uh, But science is about debate. And he hemmed and hawed, and, and we had a, a, a prolonged discussion. He said, I'll tell you what, maybe there's a misunderstanding. He said, how about if I can get you some bullets to tweet, if you will tweet those out, I think there's a good chance we can go ahead and do this deal. 
So at that point, I knew there's no way they were going to we were going to do the deal. So understand what's happening here. This is just business. It's business. And he says, yeah, I've done business with them for years, billions of dollars. I'm raising capital. I've got all these other banks. And they will only loan me the money if I tweet out their talking points, their bullet points on climate change, the green energy agenda. Now, obviously, on one level, this is incredibly childish. You know, this this is like when kids would pin another kid down to the ground and make him cry uncle or something or eat dirt or something, you know. But but it also goes to show that that this is a grift because you're not supposed to loan money. You're not supposed to invest my money, which is what you're doing when you loan money or fund a, a, a retirement uh, fund or what have you. You're not supposed to do that on the basis of the feels Right? You're not supposed to do that emotionally, opinion-based. You have a fiduciary responsibility to look after and, and, and show good faith and, and, cuss, and um, uh, stewardship of the money. And so the grift, the scam of this, is that ESG investments in study after study and in review after review underperform... Uh, like benchmarks and indexes. So these companies are losing your money because they are basing the investments on ESG. I'm not asking you how you feel about climate change. Uh, this is out and out wrong. This is crazy. This is one of the most insane things going on in an era where a lot of insane things are going on. Um, and we're going to be hearing a lot more about it. One of the things you learn, by the way, about these um, social justice warrior types is they're, they're, they're never appeased. You, no matter what you give, no matter what, you know, concessions you make, whatever whatever uh, nods you give them, it's never enough. There's always, always going to come back for more. I'll tell you about a company that everybody's heard of that's finding that out right now. The snow is snowing and the wind it is blowing, but I can weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. All right. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry, so I'm looking forward to the dish. Let's talk restaurants after six. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. 210-599-5555. Yeah, Dan Rather, of all people, can you imagine? Does Dan Rather know he's Dan Rather? He he uh, shot his mouth off about uh, this Twitter story. If you haven't heard, Elon Musk uh, suspended the accounts of a number of journalists who he says doxed him and revealed the location of his family, which he feels is the equivalent of, he calls it assassination coordinates. And, um, you know, stalking his family is, is obviously very different than reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop. But, um, th- there's all these people white knighting to the defense of these, these journalists. Of course, they didn't come to the defense of the New York Post when it happened. And one of them is, is, uh, the, the laughable Dan Rather, former anchor of the CBS Evening News, a man who 
succeeded Walter Cronkite, all he had to do, he, he succeeded somebody who dominated television news like no one has dominated it since in the last 40 years. If you're ask if you're if you're under the age of fifty, ask somebody about Walter Cronkite. I mean, it was must see television news. It was his name was synonymous with the news. I mean, I think probably there's a lot of guys on television who think they are that. Now I'm thinking Wolf Blitzer probably thinks he's that, but he's not. They're not even close. So anyway, Dan Rather comes along, he inherits that broadcast, runs it into the side of the mountain. And then his, his, his career ends ignominiously because he lied and fabricated documents about George W. Bush. So anyway, I'll tell you uh, my, my Dan Rather story. We were, um, when I was doing the show in, in late mornings, how many years ago was this done? This was probably what, five, six years ago? Yeah, I was trying to do the math on that. I, I think it was you know, about six years ago. I mean, we've been in mm-hmm. afternoons for, for like four and a half years. So it was more, it was all of that and, and probably more than that, probably five or six, seven years ago. Um, doing the show, I'm in the studio and, um, I think somebody said to me, did you know Dan Rather is here? And, um, I said, oh, no, I didn't know that. And went on with my business. I, I think we were already on the air. The show had already started and, Either somebody from our staff or somebody with him comes to me and goes, "Well, wouldn't wouldn't you like to interview him? Would wouldn't you like to have him on? He's right there. He's, he was in. He was just behind the door. He was he was in our newsroom, which is just off the on air studio. And I go out there. I, I I didn't want to interview him. I had the show all set up. We knew what we were doing. He had nothing to do with anything we were talking about. I don't have a lot of respect for him. I wasn't going to get him on the air and disrespect him, but I don't have a lot of respect for him." And it was like he was granting us an audience. You know, I guess he thought that his presence would just be, you know, his august journalist presence would just be welcome. You know, who wouldn't want to talk to me? I'm Dan Rather. Well, I don't. They couldn't believe it. You, you What? You don't? No, I don't. I mean, I was nice about it. I think I was, Don, wasn't I? I think I was nice about it. But, you know, no. Not interested. And I thought, how pathetic. What does he just show up and wait with his little penny loafers and his briefcase to see if somebody wants to interview him? And that's just sad. But it's amazing how many of these uh, people today that are, that are sermonizing about Elon Musk conveniently seem to have forgotten that the previous operator of Twitter deplatformed an entire newspaper. Hundreds of people work there. You know, I don't know how many journalists work at the New York Post, but way more than were had their platforms suspended today or yesterday. They're acting like this has never happened before. Now, I could see if they were like, hey, we're against this in principle, no matter who does it, no matter who it's done against. We don't care if it's Fox News or the New York Times or conservatives or liberals. We stand for journalists. I could see that. I could, I could, I could understand. I could respect that. But they, this is all about, you know, censorship for thee, but not for me. And of course, it isn't even censorship. He suspended their, their, their accounts. They are not unable to report or tell their stories. The New York Post, that, that Hunter Biden coverage for about a week and a half, that was like finding something in the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, they really walled it off. 
with that policy and the collusion of other, uh, you know, entities along with Twitter. So, Dan, rather you can sit down <laughs> because I don't want to hear your lecture about Elon Musk. Uh, I don't want to hear your swipes at him. And uh, I still am not interested in bothering our listeners with you. So we've, we've heard enough, Dan Rather. Thank you very much. Um, but that's, that was my Dan Rather story. It's really one of the weirdest things. Cause you don't, when you interview people, you arrange to have them available and you know they're coming and you make provisions for that. People don't just come and like hope they'll get on the air. It's <laughs> very strange. And you might, you might see somebody, you know, local do that. Like maybe a local activist will come by a radio or television station, see if they can wangle an interview. But it was surreal to see Dan Rather out there just hoping that one of the radio stations in the building would would interview him. I don't know, maybe one of them did. Maybe he got on KTFM that day, I don't know. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans not cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. All right, we're going to talk restaurants on the dish right now. The last hour of the last show of the week is all about your most recent restaurant experience. So if you went out to dinner tonight or yesterday or this week or you went to a new restaurant or one that's new to you, you can praise or zing. You can talk about a place that uh, has been one of your favorites for a long time. You can talk about the food. You can talk about the prices. You can talk about the service. It can be, uh, you know, a, a, a white linen tablecloth kind of special occasion place. It can be fast food. It can be um, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Uh, all we ask about any restaurant in or around San Antonio and South Texas that you call about, all we ask is please have the complete, correct name of the restaurant that you are calling in to either praise or zing. <laughs> okay, there you go. A little, little worst Christmas song of all time, zing. I like that. It's also praise. a way to promote next week or, as well. And, well, yes, that is correct, Don. That is that is correct, Captain Obvious. That is true. Next Wednesday night, we will have our worst Christmas song countdown. I mean, there's some bad ones, but then there's one that's so far out. In fr- no one's going to ever catch this song. And uh, you'll hear that Wednesday night. If you've not heard it before, and even if you have, I, I have a lot of people tell me, I listen to it every year. I know where you're going, but I still need to hear it. I, I get that. I understand that. 210-599-5555. All right, so we're talking restaurants um, on the dish, 210-599-5555. And later in this hour, we'll have the results on the JR poll about the uh, World Cup. Apparently, we're getting one of those uh, voodoo donut uh, stores that are all over the place. But we have not had one in San Antonio before. It's opening on Houston um, Tuesday. And um, this is one of those donut places that has really, like, outlandish, unexpected uh, flavor combinations and, you know, bacon on the donuts and vegan donuts and all these different things. And they're opening 400 East Houston uh, Tuesday morning, this coming Tuesday morning. Um, I do like donuts. I'm... I'm I'm really not like uh I don't really need them to be too you know 
advanced. I'm a basic donut kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm good with the basics. But I do like when you, there's just something about a donut. When you're in the mood for a donut, you can't substitute something else. It has to be a donut. So we wish them luck at Voodoo Donut. I think they'll do very well here, don't you? I think we're I think we're a donut town. 210-599-5555. You can talk about your most recent restaurant experience, praise or zing, the food, the price, the service, uh, or anything of that ilk, of that, of that type. Um, I, I mentioned, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, I mentioned that, um, that Netflix, uh, what would you call it, docu-series, mini-series, whatever it is, about Harry and Meghan is the biggest documentary debut ever on Netflix. And how just heartbreaking and dispiriting that is to know that that has been a successful show for those two. It says here today that Buckingham Palace... um. Well, this was last night uh, on Twitter. Buckingham Palace will not be responding to comments made in Harry and Meghan's Netflix documentary series. So they are not taking the bait. Because apparently, I haven't watched it, and I'm not going to watch it. You're not watching it, right? You're not watching it, are you? I hope not. But anyway, apparently they're running their mouths about the, the royal family. They're bad-mouthing the queen, God rest her soul. And uh, his father, who's now the king. I, I, I mean, you, you would kind of like to know what they're saying, right? Like, just, just in the way of a dysfunctional family, it would be kind of funny to know what they really think and what they're really saying. But the public position is they're not going to comment, and that's the right, uh, that's the right position. Yeah, I cannot believe that these two are spinning themselves as victims. They live in a mansion. They have their health. They have their children. They had a royal wedding. They've got all these multi-million dollar contracts with Netflix. People are throwing money at them, right? And the the thrust of this is that they've been the victims of racism and, um, you know, family feuds. Like, please, please. Walk a mile in my shoes, your shoes, anybody else's shoes. You're a victim. And he was on there complaining that his wife doesn't have a father because the father has criticized them. And how, how disrespectful is that? Here we, we're coming up to the holidays. There are families that really don't have a father. There are families that have lost a father. There are people growing up. There are children growing up without a father. And you're on television boo-hooing because your father has criticized you? Really? This is a hit show on Netflix? I mean, what does that say about us? Ugh. Yeah, I, I have to think, if the if the British ever just decide we're done with the royalty, we're, we've had it, um, we, we're, we're pulling the plug, that's it, we'll give them the 90-day cancellation. <laughs> there, there's so many admirers or sycophants for royalty in this country, they might as well all just come here. You know, they might as well just import the whole system. We seem to have developed, 250 years after we told them to get lost, we seem to have developed a following for it here. It's very weird. I guess never say never. 
210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. As we talk about restaurants on the dish, we'll take your calls to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. I thought this was pretty funny. Um, the, this was done by the Babylon Bee folks. They made like a pretend um, behind the scenes, let's go behind the scenes with Vice President Kamala Harris's speechwriter. Who's who's writing those speeches for Kamala Harris? And in the imagination of the Babylon Bee, it's this six-year-old young man. Take a listen to this. Hi, I'm Oliver Bartholomew, and I'm 16 and a half years old, and I'm the speechwriter for Kamala Harris. My mommy and daddy say, if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Morning, Frank. Yeah, hey. Hey, Oliver. And my parents were right. Ever since I was little, I liked words. Writing words is fun. So I made writing words my job. Every politics person has a writer, like me, to make good words for them to say. Space is exciting. Space it affects us all. And it connects us all. I got that idea when I was thinking about space and how big it is. Man, it's big. It's not all fun, though. Sometimes I have to write about bad stuff, like war. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. It's cool to see the words I've typed good actually get get set on TV. It's fun. I like it. Once I thought it would be neat if Kuma wore a blue suit and told people she was wearing it, because I like you. I'm a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. It's cool because the suit's blue and it's the color of the sky. Where are you, my ideas? I'm all over. One time I was on the school bus and I thought it would be neat if Kamala talked about the school bus. And who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? I can't take all the good, though. Me and Mr. Kama are team. You know, like relay racing? You know, you race and someone passes the baton and then, right? But she kind of is crazy or something. And she kind of scares me. <laughs> and you can't fake that kind of moments. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles? Right. And then let's just see where they overlap. You I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. You're either born with it or you're either not. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. It's quitting time. I need to get home in time for blue. See you tomorrow, Frank. See you later, Oliver. Mm. That time is every day. And now you know the rest of the story. That kid is a fantastic actor. Uh, And who knows, that could, for all we know, just randomly could actually be the case. Maybe Maybe that explains it all. 
gifts I'm preparing for some Christmas sharing. But I pause because hang in my stocking. I can hear knocking. Is that you, Santa Claus? KTSA, we're taking your calls on the dish. We're talking restaurants. You can praise or zing a recent restaurant experience, whether it was a new place or just new to you, or you want to sing the praises of an old favorite. Maybe you went out from celebrated a special occasion this week or something like that, had a, had a company Christmas party at one of these places maybe. Uh, whatever it is, breakfast, lunch, dinner, donuts, praise or zing. And call 210-599-5555. Later in this hour, we'll see how you voted on the World Cup finale. JR poll question. How does the uh, song go? You better watch out. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a story at Newsweek.com about a family. You can guess the country. That found a snake under their Christmas tree, hiding among the presents under the tree. Guess the country. Australia. It was a keelback snake, said not to be venomous. You know how non-venomous snakes kill you? You have a heart attack when you see them. Yeah, I, that, I'd kill right over. That's why they call them kill back. I would kill back like Jack's gone. Um, yeah, it was nestled among the, uh, the gifts. Uh, this is actually considered peak snake season in Australia. And it is not unusual for them to come into homes and then seek out a sheltered, undisturbed location. You figure the Christmas presents, nobody's touching them, nobody's bothering them right now. Oh, this is dark, this is sheltered, this is covered up. The pets stay away from it. And there he was. Mm -mm. So I don't know, maybe you should just, every so often when you walk by your Christmas tree, if you've already got stuff under the tree, you know, just kind of give it a little kick with your... (laughs) Stick the broom handle in there or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what the remedy for that would be. 210-599-5555 on the dish. Since we're talking about restaurants, I thought this was a pretty amazing story. Uh, Earlier we were talking about the police officer who's in trouble for trying to meet a woman uh, by using her license and registration to find out who she was. That was in Connecticut. Uh, This is a guy um, in um, England who wanted to make a memorable 30th birthday party for his girlfriend. His name is David. Her name is Gemma. He wanted something memorable and epic. He wanted it to be a birthday to remember. And knowing that her favorite food is KFC, he threw her a KFC party. He made a bouquet of fried chicken and then he rented one of those chocolate fountain machines and modified it so it was a KFC gravy fountain a gravy fountain have you ever heard of such a thing who isn't who wouldn't be in love with this guy right a gravy fountain for her 30th Oh, here's a picture of them. They're a nice looking, nice looking couple. I don't know what I was expecting, but 
That, that, that wasn't what I was, for, for a KFC gravy fountain, they're not what I was expecting. Anyway, 30th birthday, he also had a birthday cake, uh, made for her and frosted to look like a KFC bucket of chicken. So she really likes KFC. You know, it's also possible. I'm just thinking, I'm just, just kind of off the top of my head here. You know what I think might be possible? It might be possible that she likes KFC. Okay, she's all right with it. It sounds like he really likes KFC. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is where you would like do all this. Like, oh, I'm doing it for her. But it might be him. So Just now, saying. so now I have to ask you if you've ever yeah. had a KFC bowl. You know what that is, right? I've seen it on TV. You know. Yeah, it's no, like I a bowl have. of mashed potatoes, and they, I, they put I, I chunks been, of chicken and gravy and corn and all kinds. That of seems stuff very new agey to me. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I like my I like my food. I like my my uh, sides separated. But um, I, I I really haven't had KFC in a long, long time. I I didn't I, I I don't think they had the bowls the last time I was there. I'm so old. I remember when it was Kentucky Fried Chicken and the bucket <laughs> spun around on top of the sign. Remember <laughs> that? Right. Was it KFC? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we called it KFC for short, but it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I guess at some point that just became too much, too many letters or something. So it's KFC. Are they I still... didn't know that it was popular in England, but apparently it is, and this woman is said to be a big fan. They're still using the Colonel, Colonel's image, are they not? I'm... They are using the Colonel's mm-hmm. image. I don't really buy... this this guy they have playing the Colonel on the television ads now. I'm not, I'm not buying that. I don't like the sort of ironic. Like they're mocking it kind of thing, you know, like, you know, when we were kids, the colonel was the colonel, you know, and now it's sort of like they're, they're mocking it or they're making fun of it. So I don't know. Haven't, uh, haven't tried it recently. Haven't tried the bowls. Are the bowls good? Do you like the bowls? I tried it once and I, I will never go back again. <laughs> oh no, really? What but happened? It's not too bad. I mean, it's all right, but yeah. I, I like, I'm like you. I kind of like my chicken separated from my vegetables, oh. you know, somewhat. You know. Here's a picture of, oh my gosh, he really went all out. This is a bouquet of flowers, but interspersed with the flowers are are pieces of fried chicken. How are you supposed mm. to do with that? I do like the gravy <laughs> fountain, though, idea. The gravy fountain yeah. is quite imaginative. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. I'll tell you what, you might like the sound of it. It's not very um, appealing to look at. I'm looking at, a, at some video of it right now. <laughs> It looks like a vomit fountain is what it looks like. Because that gravy is kind of um, not a good color. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's got like some yellowish kind of lumps in it. I'm not sure what, they're, what they are. Kind of fatty looking. It just looks like a vomit fountain. Kind of like so. the moment from The Exorcist or something. Like you really couldn't, you really, do you really need a, do you need a continuous flow of gravy? Is that? Is that really necessary? I mean, I, I'm not against gravy, but really a gravy fountain. Why don't you just, why don't you just bring in a, a fire hose and just, you know, just, you know, open it up full blast and just, just, you know, just you know, completely at, coat her in gravy if you're going to do that, you know? You know, at some point in time, someone was drunk enough and probably tilted their head underneath it and had Oh, the, no doubt. No you doubt. know that happened. Somebody drank right from the gravy fountain at some point. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be a party. Wouldn't be a party until somebody drank right from the gravy fountain. I'm, I'm going to say, though, again, I, I have the feeling that she's like a little bit into KFC. She indulges him. But I think this was all him. I think this was his. This was, he's always wanted to do this, and he's just hanging it on Gemma. 
for her 30th birthday. Jim, I think you can do better than this guy. I really do. Anyway, all right, well... Merry Christmas, baby. Should you treat me nice? Gave me a diamond ring for Christmas. Now I'm living in paradise. Jack here, late afternoon show. And uh, congratulations to all the kids. And teachers that started Christmas break today. A lot of schools are out now for the next couple of weeks. So you made it. Congratulations. Good on you. Sleep in. Um, I did not, uh, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty decent sports fan. I thought I had heard of, I'm not a fan of every sport, but I thought I had heard of all the sports. I had never heard of, have you ever heard of professional ice fighting? Professional ice fighting? Because apparently it is it is exactly what it sounds like. It is like an MMA event on ice. Bare knuckle, mano a mano, uh, fighting. It has come to Wyoming. They have it in Canada, but the first uh, officially sanctioned professional ice fighting uh, or sanctioned ice fighting events are in Wyoming. The Wyoming Combat Sports Commission, which is an actual government agency in Wyoming, regulated, and um, it's called Ice Wars International. That's the name of the league, like, you know, the NFL, National Football League. Ice Wars International, the IWI, starting out in Wyoming, but plans to spread all over the country. It's a very big thing in Canada, apparently. I wonder if in professional ice fighting... Every so often, hockey breaks out. Like, okay. Two ten. You're not paying for these jokes, so you can't expect that much. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five or Jack at ktsa dot com. We're talking. We're talking restaurants on the dish. We've got the poll results coming up shortly. Um, we're coming to the end of the year. This is a time of you know like year in review lists, but also predictions for the new year and i know you'll want to hear what the pet psychic of england expects for 2023 well you've come to the right radio show samantha Minns is her name uh she and her partner greg and their 17 cats uh live in kent and she says 2023 looks like a um doozy of a year uh, we will have a warm spring, which will be great for mice, butterflies, and various other animals. A bountiful summer. Uh, but 2023 will bring its own uh, pandemic, says Samantha Minns. It's going to be called, I'm just passing this along, okay. It's going to be called kangaroo pox. Kangaroo pox. Well, that's what she's calling it. But remember how we had monkeypox and then they shortened it? They said it was racist, which no one has ever explained adequately. But um, they, sw- they, they they shortened it to mpox. Remember that? It became mpox. You can't call it monkeypox anymore. So I wonder if 
Kangaroo pox will be shortened to K-pox. K-pox sounds... That either sounds like a uh, Korean boy band or like a radio station. Like KPOX, K-pox. She says that... um, She has spent the last couple of years counseling traumatized animals uh, that were traumatized by COVID-19. Did you know that animals were traumatized? I didn't know that. Well, she's a pet psychic. She would know that. But she says, yeah, there's another one coming. Get ready for it. Kangaroo pox. She says, by the end of the year, everything will be all right. Uh, We'll get through it. But 2023 is going to be a bumpy ride, so the pet psychic. You know, you're laughing now, but when we're all uh, locked up in our homes, wiping everything down, trying not to get kangaroo pox, you'll be like, you know, I seem to remember Jack mentioning this. Was it Jack? I don't know. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. By the way, we mentioned the... uh, it's kind of a weird coincidence. We mentioned the uh, guy in England that had the KFC birthday party for his 30-year-old girlfriend, really for him. And today is the day. Did you know this, Don? I didn't realize this. Today is the day that Colonel Sanders passed in 1980, the actual Colonel Sanders. <laughs> there you go. That is weird. I, mean, I did not know that you know, when we read I did not. I did not realize that was... The, the, this was today's uh, <laughs> in the news, this day in history. Yeah, Came full circle. It, uh, you could say, you could. Say. I think, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I think I'm glad he didn't live to see the gravy fountain. I feel like that, you know, he, he was spared that. I think that's a good thing. All of these, um, you know, when you think about it, there were all these places like national chains and stuff that were named after somebody, and there really was a person, you know, like there, there was an actual. You know, there was an actual Wendy, and there was an actual Colonel Sanders, and there was an actual this and an actual that, an actual Howard Johnson, and all these different things. And now it seems like when they when they create a new brand, have you noticed? Now they just kind of create fictional people. They just invent somebody. Like if you want to open a chain and call it, uh, you know, Don's Burgers, you just invent some fictional guy named Don, and you. Have somebody work up a sketch of them or a cartoon version of them. I mean, these used to all be real people, as far as I know. That's what they told us at the time, anyway. 210-599-5555. We, um, when we were kids, and I've, I think I've told this story before, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. When, when, we were, when we were kids, we very seldom got to go out to eat. We were a big family, and that was just not something that families did very often. You know, It was a, it was a rare treat. My parents would take us to this Chinese restaurant in our town so consistently that I actually thought all restaurants were Chinese restaurants. I just thought, I just thought, well, this is restaurant food. When you go out to a restaurant, this is what they have. Chow mein is what they have. But anyway, we'd go to this place, um, and it was called Golden Star. It's not there anymore. And the, um, hostess, who, you know, when you're a kid, you think that the, like the lady at the front or the person at the front of the restaurant, you think they own the restaurant. Sometimes they do, but in this case, she was merely the hostess. The hostess was this beautiful, probably middle-aged woman, Chinese-American, 
just very stately. She would wear this beautiful silk kind of garb that was all embroidered and dragons and embroidery, and she had beautiful lacquer combs in her hair. I mean, can you picture this? I mean, just a very elegant, stately woman, beautiful smile. Um, you could have t- you could have told me she was the Empress of China. I wouldn't have known. You know, just lovely person would greet us beckon one of the waiters to take us to our table. And this went on for years. And um, many years later, by now the, the restaurant was gone. It had changed into something else. Many years later, I find out that my dad, when he was a young man, really young, had gone on some dates with her. And my mom knew about it because he had taken her to this place when they were dating before we were even born. I'm telling you, they were committed to the Golden Star. I mean, they just, this was their go-to place. And honestly, it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was pretty good. But yeah, when we ever found out, wait a minute, our dad dated her? It was Amazing! It was like the the most surprising thing I had ever heard up to that point in my life. Never would have guessed that. You never, you know, people make such a big deal now of multiculturalism and intersectional and like, wow, <laughs> the Sicilian guy from the neighborhood had dated her. It makes sense; they'd be about the same age at that point. But yeah, we were. It made it made what was already a cool thing like even more exotic than it had been before. So see, you never know. There's a real person behind all these places. And rest in peace, Colonel Sanders. 210-599-5555. Speaking of uh, this day in history, a couple of people have sent this to me. I guess they thought because I'm from Boston I would mention this. This is also the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Can I let you in on a secret? You learn about the Boston Tea Party in school and... It was a significant event in the run-up to the American Revolution. Not really a big anniversary in Boston. No, really isn't. I mean, you would think, right, oh, it must be a big deal up there. Not not especially. Kind of comes and goes pretty quietly. Uh, But this is the uh, anniversary of that in 1773. 1973, O.J. Simpson became the first NFL running back to rush for over 2,000 yards in a season. That is still a very rare thing in football. That's another guy, when you think about the passage of time, like people under a certain age, the only thing they know about O.J. Simpson, and the only thing they're ever going to know about O.J. Simpson, is the trial and the accusations and the murders, and either they believe he did it and got away with it, or they believe he was acquitted, right? But if you're over a certain age... What made that whole thing so surreal was that you remembered O.J. Simpson. Don, I know you do. He was like Mr. America. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was an advertising spokesman for major brands. He was a frequent guest on morning, midday, late-night television. He was in movies. He was on television shows. He was an all-around multimedia, just... You know, every man. Spokesperson for uh, Hertz Rent-A-Car, remember those? It was Hertz, right, Mm -hmm. where he'd run Mm -hmm. through the airport Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. jump over the luggage? I I do have a question. Do you think, because Jim Brown, I guess by many, is considered like the ultimate NFL 
player, but um, could O.J. have surpassed that had this other scandal not have happened, possibly? Do you think Do you think O.J. Simpson could have been like the greatest NFL player of all time? Because um, of his stats and... Well, I mean, he was already retired from football when yes. the thing happened. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, what I do think um, probably is that, um, and this is what I think is really weird, when you think about what happened with him, and it came out of the clear. I remember, remember how shocked you were when one day, you know, he hadn't heard his name in a while. He had mm-hmm. been kind of, you know, things had kind of quieted down. I don't even know if those commercials were still on anymore, but. Um, I think the last time I had seen him was maybe like in the Naked Gun movies. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. And then the day you heard he's wanted, police are looking for. (laughs) That would be like that would be like if in you know that would be like if in um, you know twenty years from now or thirty years from now, you you suddenly hear that you know police are looking for I don't know name some star of 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 the NFL today. Mm -hmm. I mean that's how weird it would be. Tom Brady. Like, maybe oh, police are looking for like Tom that. Brady. Right, police are looking right. for Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, <laughs> that's how that's how surreal for people over a certain age. That's how surreal that was. I'm not getting into whether or not he did it or he didn't. That's we've done that, but uh, that was definitely a um, what they call in the marketing business a brand shift for O.J. Simpson. He was a Heisman Trophy winner, was he not? I believe so. I think so. I believe mm-hmm. so. I mean, I think he. I think he. You know, he 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 was he had done everything. He was celebrated. Uh, everywhere, he really was one of the very first yeah. um, African American athletes who had absolute across the board acceptance. You know, that's probably a better word. In fact, as far as uh, had it not been for the scandal, would he be considered like one of the mm-hmm. greatest celebrated NFL mm-hmm. players of all time? Mm-hmm. It just seems like yeah. the the scandal over has overshadowed his well. Um, Stardom in in the. I mean, NFL. it wasn't a scandal like he had an overdue library book. I mean, well, you know, true. Pretty big. <laughs> it was pretty big. Yes. I think it was more than a scandal, but yeah, no, I, I it definitely was. I just just very very strange. Just you know, you just never know. I guess so. That was 1973 that he set that record. Thank God it's. Peach's cookie fingers. Peach's cookie finger down in the parking lot. What? <laughs> okay, what? Yeah, Is that elf. my stripper name? <laughs> elf. Christmas elf. Oh! Christmas elf, <laughs> Christmas elf name. <laughs> Peach's sticky fingers? Cookie fingers. I don't know. There's so much fun on these, you know, foreign television morning shows and our morning shows are all so uptight and scandal plagued that they just uh they, they good morning america needs a healthy dose of well maybe they've already had that never mind all right on the uh, jr poll um we asked you who you're rooting for in the world cup finals it's coming coming down to uh, france or argentina uh it wasn't even close uh 76 say they are rooting for argentina 24 percent are rooting for france I think it's still that whole Freedom Fries thing from back in the day, don't you? I think so, yeah. All right, we'll have a new JR poll question Monday. Uh, back here live. You can also find on-demand podcast editions of our show at KTSA.com. And I want to leave you with this tonight. This is a Christmas album put out by the Philadelphia Eagles. Several of the players on the Eagles uh, with an album entitled A Philly Special Christmas. And um, it's current and former 
uh, NFL players, and this is a little bit of what it sounds like. I think the Eagles are playing uh, the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, right? So that'll be a big one. And, of course, the Cowboys better keep their eyes peeled for Jacksonville this weekend. I'll see you back here Monday.